Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And... Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Having a career in sports doesn't always mean you have to start in sports. Much of a career path is the learning experience along the way to help build a successful career. Our next guest did just that, and I'm excited to share his story as we welcome Jason Senaraja, Chief Operating Officer for the Kansas City Royals. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Appreciate it. Jason, very excited to talk about your career and certainly the role you're in now with the Royals. And, and going back to the beginning, you attended Boston College, received a degree in finance and marketing before then your MBA in business from the University of Virginia. What do you think you want to do career wise? Yeah, um, you know, when I got my MBA from uh, Darden, I was actually looking at going on Wall Street and uh, thinking about, um, you know, working at a hedge fund. And I happened to stumble upon um, at a career fair ironically, uh, a stand for this company called Google. And and I say it that way because I was actually not a tech guy. I was actually a Yahoo user. So this is dating me a little bit. Yeah. But at the time in the mid 2000s, you know, there were a lot of Yahoo users. I, was, I wasn't as into Google, obviously, as I became. Uh, but I happened to give my resume in and I got a call back and got a call about an international job, which was more appealing than the actual Google part. Uh, and that led me down that different road. Nice. Well, you, you know, your first opportunity out of school was with General Mills and financial planning. And, you know, as you think back to that that time, why was that the right fit for you to just gain some experience, you know, maybe even in the financial planning side of things? Yeah, you know, uh, so when I left BC, um, you know, I was it was uh, it was a tough economy, obviously, at that point, I was looking to get a job and so forth. And, you know, General Mills was recruiting and they were recruiting in this sort of management program that gave you an opportunity to work in sales first and then eventually into financial planning and financial analysis. And then I was a finance manager at a production facility. And for me, and this is a theme throughout my career is I've just always been curious about learning. Um, and, um, you know, the opportunity to work in sort of three different functions, three different locations, you know, somewhat of a rotational program was really appealing to me. Um, I did not, uh, uh, you know, bake or, or make food uh, that often. I can't confess <laughs> to being a foodie, yep. um, but it was an opportunity to, to to really learn. So I started my career in sales, uh, calling the Kroger region, and then uh, moved into a financial planning uh, role in Minneapolis with um, uh, the baking division and then moved out to LA with uh, the YoPlay division. And, you know, I learned a great deal, Travis, uh, you know, around how to deal with people, how to present numbers, um, how to think through long-term financial planning, which has helped me uh, even in my current role today. Yeah, and even as you dive into the sports and yeah, to attend, you know, and, and work at UBS Investment Bank as, as Google as well as you talked about. As you think back to those early experiences in your career, what's one thing you know now that you just wish you would have known back when you were just getting started? You know, um, I think 
when you're in business school or even an undergraduate, you know, you, you learn all the subject matter elements, right? You learn finance, you learn marketing, uh, you learn accounting, and you may take organizational behavior classes. And you don't really think about organizational behavior as something that's really important um, or leadership as it's now called in some, in some capacities. But I mean, those are the most important classes and those are the most important things you need to know, right? Because you're interacting with people um, and especially in this environment in sports. And so just learning empathetic leadership, I think um, is something that I wish I had learned a little bit earlier in my career uh, or maybe been more aware of it. It's not that I'm not an empathetic person. It's just learning the importance of that. I think I wish I'd known, you know, 17, 18 years later. Jason, after you know a decade, you know, long career outside of sports, and I kicked it off with you. You don't always have to start in sports to have a career in sports. You decided to get into sports at the time that the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, in strategy and business analytics. And why was that the right move for you in the right time to immerse yourself into the sports space? Yeah, you know, I, I so when I was uh, my last role at Google, I was running uh, search content partnerships. So uh, best way to describe that, Travis is. You know, if you type in Cleveland Guardians or Kansas City Royals, you get a box of information at the top with scores and some information on the right-hand side. So I helped build that product. So I was working with leagues um, on the content side and, and doing business development deals uh, to acquire you know, stat- statistics and sports information and so forth. And I love baseball. Um, I love sports, but I love baseball in particular. And so for me, you know, I was really interested in potentially moving into that after five years. And so I just networked cold call, cold emails, cold LinkedIn um, requests, and just talk to everybody for about a year on the side. It was almost like a little side business. Yeah, like a side project. It was more just learning. Yeah, exactly. It was like a side project. And so as I got to those conversations, um, I got introduced to more people. And I met um, this gentleman named Andrew Miller, who was assistant to the president in Cleveland, Mark Shapiro. And they had this fellowship program. Um, and, you know, I remember talking to them about, about the role and, and just what they were trying to do and, you know, Moneyball had just uh, come out and those guys had been on the baseball side and moved to the business side. And it was just really interesting. And they were touching all aspects of an organization, not just one aspect. Um, and they were thinking differently. And I was lucky enough to get that role. Um, you know, I took a substantial pay cut, which is, you know, not uncommon for a lot of people coming into the industry, whether you come start at the beginning or, like I did sort of midway through my career. And uh, it, it was it was the right move. I learned so much about the business side of sports, got exposed to ticketing, got exposed to the food and beverage, got ex, you know exposed to stadium development, got exposed to hiring people. Um, it was one of the best moves I ever made. And, and those people that I learned that from Cleveland are mentors or long-term mentors to me that have helped my leadership and, and helped me be a better person, honestly. You know, it's interesting you know, of, of all the kind of content and certainly the advice are there. One of the things that always stood out because a lot of times people are like, well, you know, and, and we, we talk to them every day, right? I want to get in sports. And then all of a sudden you talk about compensation and it's like, well, that taking a pay cut and what does that mean? And so, you know, I guess what's your advice to listeners out there? Like if that is your passion, if that's your drive, really not worrying about their own personal financial situation, but like, why is it worth taking that risk a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the personal financial situation, I mean, that's that's reality, right? And I was blessed that I went to business school fairly young in my career, in my life. Um, and, you know, I'd made some decent money there and, and could take that risk. I also, more importantly, had a very understanding wife 
uh, who was willing to, to probably the most to, important, right? <laughs> yeah, probably most important. Yes. Um, and, and, and could kind of support me, uh, financially as well, while I took that risk for, for, for myself and our family. Um, but what I've done in, in my career, and again, I don't know if this is the right thing for everybody, but I'd emphasize learning Travis. Yep. And I knew going into the Cleveland organization, being surrounded by the folks that I was surrounded, that I would learn a lot and I would grow both professionally and personally, like I did. And I would get exposure to all aspects, maybe more so than other places I could have worked in any industry. Yeah. And I valued that more than the financial aspect. And I think that was the right bet for me because those people, again, as I mentioned, have become mentors to me. Um, I've learned so much from them and I owe a great deal of my career success to them. But I've also learned and I've and I learned, you know, the value of empathetic leadership. I value I learned the value of, you know, how to work in this industry and and influence, but do it correctly and do it politely and do it in the right way. Um, and also just the business side of it, right? And the aspects of financial side, the, the revenue generation, the operational side, how those all come together. How do you run a small market baseball team, you know, which is obviously relevant to me now here in Kansas City, but also just understanding the economic side, how do TV deals impact the overall revenue equation? How do TV deals impact payroll? Like all that kind of stuff I learned and had a lot of exposure to, and I'm very blessed that I had that opportunity in Cleveland. No, absolutely. And one of the big things you said is always be learning, right? You know, I've always told people, and it's something I learned early on, like if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably not in the right room, you know? So yeah, Jason, you then, you know, take a detour outside of sports, working with the weather company and then Ziff Davis. And with both these roles, you were in leadership and you provided a lot of high level strategy. Why was leadership the right fit for you? Yeah, you know, I left Cleveland um, for family reasons. We had to go back to the San Francisco Bay Area. I joined the weather company um, and I was leading business development and strategy. So, you know, doing deals, um, you know, work, you know, if you look at your iPhone, there's a weather icon there. We helped do that deal at the Weather Channel, which was great. I worked with Google, worked with a lot of the companies. And then I also got to work in South America. Um, leadership at that point was important for me to be sort of to grow. Again, it goes back to growth mindset. Um, it was important for me to manage a team, have a little bit more P&L responsibility in certain instances later on uh, in that five years, but also be able to look at M&A transactions and, and other things and be seen as a leader in an emerging company that was private equity owned at the time and then eventually sold to IBM. Um, so that was a wonderful experience. And then we moved to Ziff Davis or I moved to Ziff Davis because my boss at the weather company took me along after a few years, um, which was also a wonderful experience. I got to work in, um, you know, looking at buying companies, managing a, a you know, business unit, looking at strategic deals um, in, a, in a space like e-commerce, which is growing exponentially, um, but also in the media industry, which is also a fascinating industry in and of itself. Um, and that was, that was just a great experience as well. But yeah, the leadership was important to be, again, be surrounded by good people, good mentors, uh, and get that experience and grow in my career. Yeah, it's you know people lead, everything else follows. Money, title, responsibilities. As long as you're around the right people, and you know, Jason, even from from your overall career, and you've had a lot of a lot of success and a lot of diverse experience. It seems like you got the itch to get back into sports. You know, first with the Buffalo Bills as the senior vice president of business administration, and and now onto the Royals. Now, many people say, and they've they've often talked. If you leave sports, it's hard to get back in, or you may not want to come back. How would you kind of defunct that rumor? You know, again, I go back to the quality of people that you're associated with or know or mentors or so forth are, are really key. 
Um, so I just kept focusing on growing and, and growing myself, you know, adding skills, uh, growing as a leader, um, you know, growing in titles and things like that. Um, and, you know, during the five years that I was outside of sports between uh, Cleveland and Buffalo, you know, I was often a candidate get calls for, for different roles in sports. So I was really blessed. I'd looked at some things. Um, some things weren't the right fit and so forth. Um, but I happened to get introduced to the, the Pagulas during that time period. Um, didn't get a role. Um, I thought I bombed the interview candidly <laughs> and it, but I kept relationships up and, you know, and one thing led to another and two and a half years later, I got a call uh, from Kim Pagula um, asking about a role to, to come and lead the business day-to-day business operations for the Buffalo bills. And I grew up in Toronto. Uh, my parents live in Buffalo. I grew up a big bills fan, you know, I love the organization. Yep. Um, so I jumped at the opportunity. Again, a lot of that was luck. I, I, I cannot, you know, uh, state that enough. I mean, there's a lot of luck in this industry, uh, but it's also, again, aligning to yourself to good people, getting introduced and then keeping good relationships and, and again, growing yourself. And that's a theme for myself that I'd probably extend to your listeners here that if you focus on the growth and the skill set development and so forth, a lot of this stuff will happen organically. Yep. Um, it may not be a linear path, as you can see in my career, but um, that that path will continue to grow and and, you know, you'll excel at it. And and you've certainly excelled. And, you know, about a year ago, you transitioned to the Kansas City Royals as a chief operating officer. I know the easiest answer is no day is the same, but but walk the listeners through kind of what it, maybe an average day is for you. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I've been here since August and I, I, I love Kansas City, love the ownership group here. It's a wonderful organization. Um, you know, our day to day, my my role here is a little different than what I was doing at the, at the Bills. It's very more, much focused around the operation side. So, you know, on a game day, for instance, you know, I'm working with our stadium operations to make sure that you know everybody's coming into the ballpark uh, efficiently and effectively and safely. Uh, we're looking at the food and beverage experience in the retail side, right? Making sure that the food and and the beverages here are and the lines are shorter and, and that experience is good. The retail experience is good. Um, we're looking at the ticket operation side and looking at how we you know price things and work with the analytics team who also reports to me. Uh, and then also we're looking at technology. Um, you know, how do we make the technology experience at a baseball game the best it can be? Uh, we got a lot of work to do, obviously, this whole industry does from that perspective, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, you know, helping manage uh, people at different stages in their career too, uh, for my direct reports. Um, love them all and they're great folks. Um, and just working with them and making sure that the messages from upper management or our ownership group are being transcended down. Uh, making sure that there's right goals and we're making sure we're prioritizing correctly. Um, and then just being an empathetic and listening ear, I think is the big thing, right? Making sure I'm actively listening. That's a, that's always a key thing. And I keep working on that um, and still have a lot of work to do. Um, but that's something that I, uh, that I really emphasize each day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jason Sinaraja, Chief Operating Officer for the Kansas City Royals. And Jason, let's get into three hot topics. You know, the first, you know, question one, you spent three plus years gaining international business experience in both Asia and Latin America, realizing it was, you know, with Google and not necessarily in sports, but what do you feel like the international landscape does that is ahead of the game, maybe here in the U.S.? That's a great question. So I lived in Japan for a year as part of my experience in, at Google. And, um, you know, this was in 2010. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, love Tokyo. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. But, you know, some of the technological advances were were amazing. Like they were using tap and go payments in taxis. Right. So this is pre-Uber. I was going to say in 2010. Yeah. But they were using that and they already had that technology. So, you know, using your phone, tapping and paying was ubiquitous in Japan, yep. right? And that technology only has recently come here. Um, the financial systems in Australia, you know, to be able to change money and, and wire money and things like that were a little bit more advanced than here. And a lot of that is due to, you know, just banking and technology restrictions that we may have here, the companies and so forth. But um, it's also just out of necessity. And that was really cool. And so when I think back to that Japanese experience that I mentioned, um, you know, it, it's fascinating to see that technology come here now. Um, you know, I worked a lot in China and, you know, I remember learning about Alibaba and WeChat uh, and, and and some of these other companies that are in uh, in China and, and a lot of things they do, right? And, and now have come here to the United States. So, you know, I think you can learn. I think those international experiences are really, really good opportunities for people to get out of their comfort zone too. Yep, you learn a yep. lot about yourself. You learn how to um, ingratiate yourself in a new culture. I learned how to speak Japanese, which, um, you know, was, was a great experience in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the, I'd, I'd highly recommend any international experience that you can get, especially in a younger uh, part in your career. Question two, Jason, over the years, there's been a lot of discussions about finding ways to get to know who's in the building from a data standpoint. What have you seen successful thus far? And what's, what do you believe is the next stage of understanding that consumer behavior? Yeah, I mean, this this is a topic that is, you know, uh, front and center every day for me. Um, you know, I think it's the alignment of, you know, your ticketing and your internal systems, your food and beverage, your retail. Um, it's studying external data around what's going on with credit card purchases and, and, and things of that sort in the industry, right? And just sort of aligning that data. There's a myriad of companies that offer services around this. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's about knowing who you are as an organization and then doing segmentation and thinking about how do you, you know, provide services to your fans that are that are different, right? Because everybody's different and there there's a wide swath of people that come into a major league ballpark every day um, and just thinking about it. But there's, I think the, the fundamental thing is how do you take that data? How do you put it into a, into a centralized data warehouse? And how do you take that and start to create insights. I mean, that's certainly something we're doing here at the Kansas City Royals. We're getting better at it. I think we have a lot, lot of opportunity there. 
but it's something we did at the Buffalo Bills and even at the Buffalo Sabres, which I was a part of too, to to be able to provide that information. But I think the best way to to make this more of a cultural thing is to make data easily accessible, easily understood by everybody in the building, and then easily available. And I think if you can do all that, um, and you start to build that culture, and then that starts to lead to understanding a little bit better about your fans. But um, that's a that's a tough question, Travis. You know, because it's oh, I get it. all work out in this industry. Yep. Um, and and quite frankly, it's also an issue that is not only applicable to sports, but even in e-commerce, you know, when we were at Ziff Davis and we had blackfriday.com and things like that, you're still trying to figure out, okay, who's actually coming to the site versus other places. We did a lot of work with third party and first party cookies, but those aren't necessarily tied to a persona. So we're trying to do that. So it's not just a sports question. uh, It's definitely an e-commerce question. It's definitely a retail question as well. And question three, it's it's not always easy to get into sports and entertainment. And you kind of walk the listeners through your journey, you know, especially as it, it relates to getting into business intelligence or the analytics and data side. What's your advice on breaking in and how to be successful in that space? So I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was at Google, um, I spent a lot of time doing cold emails and cold, cold calls and things like that. One piece of advice I got from one team um, was and and this gentleman had had an MBA and 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 um, I, I really appreciated this advice was that he said you know there's a lot of people like you contacted me or others to try to get in the industry have something that that the person can react to and I was like well what do you mean by that and he's like well write something or put a piece of analysis together or show your thought in a written documentation in a documentation or a documented way. Because that allows you to to differentiate yourself. One, you've done some work, but two, then it allows the the other side of that coin, you know, whoever is taking that phone call or that Zoom, to actually get a get a good perspective on your thought process and see where it could fit. And so that's what I did. Um, you know, I wrote up a case study on a on a team that was getting uh, bought or that had been bought, and and how I would think about you know reformulating that that franchise, both from a business side, as well as on the baseball side. And so, you know, those are the things that I would kind of encourage your listeners to think about, because it's easy to say that you want to get into sports or you want to do this or want to do that. But, you know, if you do a little bit more research and actually put some thought together, um, that'll be a differentiated factor. It also help you understand what do you, what do you like and what do you want to do and, and why do you want to be in this industry as well? Because it's not just I'm a fan of the industry or I'm a fan of baseball and I want to work in baseball. It, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and I mean, these are businesses, right? And you have to think of it as a business first and foremost and kind of gravitate toward that type of thinking um, to, to get in, in my opinion. Jason, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. To close it out, I'd like to put a, our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Yeah. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. I'm a big pizza guy. I love pepperoni pizza. If you had to sing one karaoke song, what would it be? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I probably say "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." I'm a whole, horrible singer, but I do love baseball, and that's probably the one 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 of the few songs that I know every lyric to. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you could go to dinner with anyone, whether they be alive or passed away, who would it be? You know, I'm a big uh, historian, and presidential politics is a big one. So 
I'd probably say, you know, to get both sides of the coin, Barack Obama, George Bush, you know, just to hear both sides of that um, over the last 20 years. And there's been two influential presidents during my lifetime, yep. regardless of how you feel about pol- politics. Um, those would be cool. Nice. Well, Jason, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Well, I think number one, uh, as I've stated a, a couple of times here already, um, I think just being open to learn and having that intellectual curiosity, I think will help you transcend in any industry, let alone sports. Um, so be open to that. Two, um, really, if you find good mentors or find good people, um, you know, stick close to them, uh, build those relationships because those relationships will help you develop professionally and personally. And then third, just be in the growth mindset, which is kind of related to the first two, but just think about growing yourself. I think a lot of times it's very get, easy to get fixated on title or dollars or some of the, some of the things like that. If you just think about growing yourself as a person and professionally, um, good things will happen and you'll probably have more fulfillment in your career. Um, and that's something that I've luckily had, I got that advice when I was early on in my career and I've been able to use it. And, um, you know, I think it's served me well. Jason, thank you so much. What a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks so much, Travis. Appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.